This is the Cherry Leaf Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Cherry Leaf Podcast. I'm Ellis Pratt. And in this episode, we're going to look at a conference, the Evolution of Technical Communication Conference 2019. I did a keynote and a workshop at the conference, which was held in Sofia in Bulgaria. And it was interesting to go to a new conference, go to a new country and see how the technical communication scene was like over there. So a little bit about the conference. It's based in Sofia in Bulgaria. It's run by the Technical Communication Association in Bulgaria, which is under the umbrella of TECOM, the German technical communication side, and also a region which includes Italy. There are probably about 140 delegates at the conference at a hotel, and it was quite an international audience. There were three people from the USA, one from Google, if I remember correctly. There were, I think, two people from Brazil that had flown in, a number of people from Romania, which is just to the north of Bulgaria, there was myself from the UK, there were three people from Israel, there were some people from Poland and Germany, and the bulk of the people were, of course, from Bulgaria itself. And the topics that were covered in the conference were pretty wide and quite relevant to the modern day technical communication world. So there are quite a few presentations on APIs, there were presentations on SEO, and social media, presentation on graphics, a presentation on what was called runnable documentation, which was around installing developer Unix-based applications, a presentation on the Internet of Things, on tone and voice, on chatbots. And there were two presentations on careers about writing a good portfolio and CV or resume, as it's called in the States, and presenting. Oh, and one on graphics. So uh, having done my first presentation, I attended the conference as a delegate, listening to a number of the different presentations. So I attended a number on API documentation, including one by Anne Tanaruda. And Anne has written a book for Tacom called Standardizing API Documentation. This covered not only REST APIs, but also other forms of APIs that are out there as well. So Anne looked at naming guidelines and some of the mistakes that can happen with naming things in APIs and provided the checklist on how you can check your documentation for it being of relevant quality. She also mentioned the API Handyman website which has a number of different blog articles on APIs, on style guides, on designs, and giving guidance, looking at different vendors and how they're producing and writing their documentation. The next session I saw was by Pedrag Mandic, who was based at a company in Amsterdam that was developing documentation for developers. But they had the challenge that the application could be configured in lots of different ways. And there was a lot of dependencies of things that the developers needed to install before they could use the application. And one thing that was also a factor with this was that the order in which items were installed was very important. 
There was a lot of documentation around installing their application and installing all these dependencies to the extent that it typically took two days to install all of the elements that were required to run the application. Now, unfortunately, it couldn't be containerized. They couldn't bundle all of those things together and give it to their customers. The customers had to install it themselves. And even if they had somebody go in who could copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste very, very quickly, it could still take hours just to go through that process. So what they have developed is a utility that takes the code blocks from the documentation and the documentation is written in Markdown and then actually runs those code blocks as if they were scripts. Utility they've called RunDoc and it's available on GitLab free of charge for anyone to install. So it's quite a developer orientated solution, but it was quite interesting to see the concept of having documentation that could also be run as code. Legaran is a well-known speaker on the technical communication conference circuit. And she talked about user compliance or why don't users listen to us? Why don't they read the documentation? And she gave a great example of a newspaper article of some American students in Italy who went to cook pasta. They hadn't done it before. They put the pasta in the pan as per the instructions on the packet, turned the heat on and resulted in a fire in their flat because the instructions didn't say pour water into the pan. It was just assumed that people knew how to cook pasta, but these students didn't. So she looked at the different factors that can affect whether people read documentation or not. So of those, age was a significant factor. Older people tending to read and process information more, but reluctant to move around in an online environment. Less aware of the different visual cues that can be around to help people guide to the information. Education, in terms of the ability for people to extrapolate or infer information, having seen one example, being able to see that that applies to other areas. And another key factor that she talked about was psychology, that there is often a belief that, yes, things could go wrong, but it's unlikely to happen to me. So she had some interesting guidance that you can't really tell people, read the documents or else. You can't yell, you can't use hazards too much. And interestingly, that there can be issues if you put information into boxes that people can skip over those. And interestingly, the best solutions are the ones that are the fundamental things that technical authors do. If you write clear, simple text in sentences that are easy to digest, then you increase the chance that somebody is going to read the information. So that was a very interesting presentation. On the second day, there was a really interesting presentation from Jen or Jennifer McDade from VMware, who'd flown in from the States to talk about SEO and how VMware had changed and adapted their technical documentation that was available on the web to make it easier for end users to find. So there was some obvious stuff, like the fact that the words and the brand names that people were searching on were different from the brand names that VMware uses. 
because people use the old names, even though VMware may have changed the brand name to something different. And so how they modified the titles to say that this brand is the new name for the old brand and to increase significantly the success rate and number of page hits they had. Very interestingly, she guided us through in a workshop how to use some of the tools that are available within Google and other places to look at different websites and to assess whether they are presented in the best way to maximize the effect of Google and, and for Google to rank them highly. Always oh, an aside, she said that from the research that they've been doing that people no longer read books or manuals or guides cover to cover. That's only really 1% of the people that do that. That 93% of people read three pages or less. So she talked about tools like Answer the Public, which is a keyword research tool, Google URL Inspect, Google Mobility Tools, Google Search Console, and Search Engine Results page. And we went through with the Google Search Console looking at different elements within a site that she'd created to see how Google saw the site, what keywords it was ranking and working on. One of the key aspects from that was the importance of summary text, metadata text, to explain what a page does. If you don't have that on your pages, then Google will take the first words of the page and use those as a summary. And that may not really give people the right encouragement or inducement to click on the link from the search results and look at the page. So she said that you need to keep your titles short, usually to less than 55 characters. And these descriptions, these metadata descriptions, have those written in a way that encourage people by giving them a benefit. What will they get by clicking on this link and looking at this page? And in terms of analyzing the keywords that people search on, she talked about some of them being transactional, people just looking for a supplier or a location, or what she called commercial, people know that they have a problem and they're trying to look at or choose a particular solution. And this corresponds with the ideas from James Mathewson that was at IBM, and some of the techniques and approaches that IBM have used within their documentation. One thing I found interesting from what Jen McDade was saying was that Google was preferring and ranking highly larger, longer, information-rich content. So in terms of the amount of words, that equates to about seven pages of A4 text. This seems to be the sweet spot in terms of the amount of content to have that Google will rank highly. However, Google is not ranking highly PDFs. It prefers the content to be in HTML format. So what that means is that as a technical writer, you may be better off presenting your information in HTML, but not necessarily in small self-contained individual pages of just a couple of paragraphs. Rather one long page with all of the text with links to go down the page and back up to help people navigate, which is what you tend to see with developer documentation. For people that are doing Ditter, that means how they publish may need to change so it doesn't automatically have each data topic as a self-contained page, but 
combines all those different topics together as one single HTML page. So that's led to a few tasks here at Cherryleaf to revise our website and try and improve some of the summary text and metadata on our particular site. I did a workshop on podcasts and we looked at the different podcasts that are out there that specialize in technical communication. And we looked at the tools that can be used for creating a podcast. And then we used an app called Anchor, anchor.fm, formed into groups and each of the different groups recorded their thoughts on the conference, what they liked, what they disliked and so on. And then we put that together edited it and we published it as a podcast. And I'll provide a link to that podcast episode in the show notes. So those were the presentations that I saw or I participated in. But what about Bulgaria itself and the technical communication scene there? I found that very interesting. There seems to be a number of companies that have offshored and created authoring teams or development teams in Bulgaria around Sofia capital city. There are a lot of people from VMware, and I understand there are 30 technical authors at VMware in Bulgaria, and VMware helped support the conference itself. And there was a large office opposite the hotel from Experian, the credit rating people. And also there were delegates and presenters, and I understand there's a authoring team from SAP in Sofia. And there seems to be a really motivated, very keen, very passionate authoring community in Bulgaria. The conference itself has been going for 10 years. And so it's grown over that time to be a reasonably sized community in Bulgaria. Certainly from talking to people and the presentations at the conference, certainly their spoken English was of a very high standard. And I suspect that their written English was of a very high standard also. And Sofia itself was very enjoyable. It's a city that's surrounded by mountains. Everywhere you look behind the buildings are these mountains. And it's very much a food culture, I would say. Lots of restaurants, some of which are hidden away up and down stairs within buildings. And the sort of culture where you arrive at a restaurant at seven and you don't leave till 11 that you eat and you take your time with a starter, a main course and so on. They seem to be very proud of their food, salads and dairy-based products, cheeses, and also on the meat side of veal and pork. Probably overall quite a good, healthy diet. And as you walk around Sofia, there are a lot of old churches, there are a lot of very classical Central European buildings and squares. Just a nice, relaxing place. Also very, very cheap. That's one other thing to say about it. So as it happens, we at Cherryleaf are doing a Erasmus project at the moment, which involves an organization based in the fifth largest city in Bulgaria, in a place called Rusa. So next year we'll be back to Bulgaria for a meeting for that particular project. So that's just a short roundup of my experience from the Evolution of Technical Communication 2019 conference. So there'll be a conference there next year. I think it was 99 euro for 
entrance to the conference. And that included a evening meal with all of the delegates on the first night of the conference. So from a cost perspective, very cheap, and that may be the reason why there were people flying in from places as far away as the States. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back on with another podcast shortly. If you want more information about Cherry Leaf and our training courses and our recruitment service and our writing services and our consultancy, cherryleaf.com. But I think that's it for now. Thank you for listening.